educating, empowering, and inspiring you to live healthier is our mission. So let's begin. Hey, health warriors. This is episode number 84 of the Life, Strength, and Health podcast. Kim here, and thank you for joining us on this week's episode. And this episode is all on Whole Foods Nutrition, and we titled this on episode Whole Foods Nutrition 101. And before we dive into today's episode, just want to let you know that spring I thought was here. (laughs) We had an 80 degree day. It was amazing. It was beautiful. And then the next day we're kind of back into this fall weather of rain and 40 degrees. But I am staying optimistic. I know it's spring is just around the corner. I'm so grateful for the long days, just waiting for that warm weather to follow suit. And uh, so Aura, our daughter, we mentioned her from time to time on the podcast. Super proud of her. She has taken up track, which Jamal, I know, is very excited because for those of you who don't know, Jamal uh, was a phenomenal track athlete. He did sprinting and long jump uh, in high school, and he also played football. Um, and he has a record still at his high school in terms, I think, in for a long jump. Um, so that is a passion. And he's been secretly waiting for Soora to <laughs> uh, like track. And he's been exposing her to it. And, and she recently uh, has joined a children's track team in our town. And she's going to practices now. And Jamal is actually one of the uh, coaches on staff, one of the assistant coaches. So I can tell it's just makes them so happy and proud. She's really gravitating towards it and loving it. Um, and she's a very active child. So this goes right in line with dancing and everything else that she does. But I'm so proud of her um, because track, I don't think, I mean, it is a difficult sport. Um, you have to love it. And uh, she's really taken an interest to it. So we'll see where that goes. So I'm so proud of her. And speaking of the warm weather, I um, am making a commitment to myself to get back out. I do go to the gym, but I do have a passion for tennis and I'm going to make that commitment and effort to get back out on the court and play with my friends in the upcoming weeks um, because I truly love the sport. I haven't been able to play um, as much as I would like. I used to play competitively um, USTA tennis on some leagues and that was certainly fun, but motherhood and other responsibilities um, you know, take priority, but I will make that effort and commitment for me, for my self-care, because that's so important for us as adults to not just push away our passions and gifts and desires um, and just throw it all out the window for our children. We still need to make you know, give them a good example of finding that balance and counterbalancing our lives and doing those things that we love because it makes life worth living. Okay, so just wanted to give you that little update. But now let's segue into this episode's organic food for thought. And this organic food for thought, we will be touching on or discussing lemongrass essential oil. Lemongrass is most known as the delicious citrusy seasoning in Thai food. Lemongrass grows in dense clumps that can grow six feet in height and four feet in width. It is native to warm and tropical regions such as India, Southeast Asia, and Oceania. It is used as a medicinal herb in India, and it is common in Asian cuisine. In African and South American countries, it is properly used for making tea. 
Lemongrass oil has a light and fresh lemony smell with earthy undertones. It is stimulating, relaxing, soothing, and balancing. The compounds that make up lemongrass essential oil are known to have antifungal, insecticidal, antiseptic, and anti-inflammatory properties. Lemongrass may prevent the growth of some bacteria and yeast, and it has antioxidant properties. It contains substances that are used to alleviate muscle pain, reduce fever, and to stimulate uterus and menstrual flow. Some of the most common lemongrass essential oil benefits are relieves headaches, reduces stomach aches, alleviates abdominal and muscle pain, kills germs, acts as an astringent, reduces fever, boosts energy, and eases digestive tract spasms. And I wanted to list at least 18 lemongrass essential oil uses. There are more, but some of them are natural deodorizer, skin health, hair health, natural bug repellent, stress reducer and sleep aid, muscle relaxer, detoxifying, menstrual cramp relief, headache relief, kills bacteria, fever reducer, and more. And lemongrass is one of the oils. We diffuse a lot of oils at our office at Life Strength and Health to make that really um, relaxing, warm environment. Um, so one of the oils that we diffuse, actually, we have two colon hydrotherapy rooms. And in those rooms, we diffuse the lemongrass essential oils. And a lot of our customers, our clients, they um, always give us great feedback saying it just smells so good. It has a nice smell. It's great for bathrooms, but as I read, there's so many benefits to use a lemongrass essential oils, but I love to use them in our colon hydrotherapy rooms um, as a deodorizer and just to set the tone for the room. So if you have not yet used lemongrass, it may be something to incorporate um, in your daily routines or in your home to diffuse it or using it, as I mentioned, with those many powerful benefits that it has. So now let's segue into today's episode titled Whole Foods Nutrition 101. Now let's face it, you know, this world is not set up for us to be healthy. You know, illness and obesity is on the rise. Diseases that were associated with the older generation is slowly making its way down to our youth and something has to change. Many people are turning to a plant-based diet as a solution. And, you know, with so many documentaries that are coming out, singing the praises of eating plant-based, you know, I'm certainly not surprised about this. And eating a plant-based diet, though it isn't for everyone, but if it's done correctly, it has many powerful benefits. But there's an even more powerful solution to help address this health decline. And that solution is eating real foods and whole foods are real foods. And the more whole foods you consume, the more nutrient packed your diet is going to be. So when you saturate your body with nutrients, you're rebuilding, repairing, rejuvenating yourself, you know, and that's so crucial to overall good health, along with other things that we've discussed in other episodes. So in this episode, we're diving down into what whole foods really are. You know, there's a common misconception that whole foods is just plant-based foods, but no, they incorporate animal foods as well. But you must consume these properly. And even with whole foods, um, you want to eat the right ones and you want to consume them right, the right way. So in this episode, we're diving down into whole foods nutrition. Um, and that's why we call it Whole Foods Nutrition 101. 
And actually, this is I'm going to be sharing a training that we did for our private health community um, where this is one of the trainings we had. And I'm going to share this. This is from our archives, part of the training where we dive into Whole Foods Nutrition to address some common misconceptions, set you on the right path to incorporating whole foods into your diet so that you can saturate your body with those dense nutrients to help you to rejuvenate and heal yourself. Okay, so without further ado, let's dive into the training on Whole Foods Nutrition 101. Hi, everyone. So we are going to begin with our live training on whole foods, understanding whole foods on a deeper level. So let's jump in. So whole foods, let's talk about exactly what whole foods are. Whole foods are foods that are found in their whole form. Uh, Whole foods are foods that are found in their natural landscape and are as close to natural as possible, right? So uh, as an example, an apple is a whole food, but apple-flavored candy is the furthest thing away from a whole food, okay? And today we want to get into the evolution of food because uh, it came from a place of all whole foods, and we transitioned to a place of slowly but surely we transitioned to a place of pretty much no whole food. The average diet doesn't have much whole food in it. And we're trying to get you to navigate back toward whole foods full circle. So the interesting thing about this whole thing is that we live in a very technologically advanced society. You know, every year we come out with some type of new technology. We come out with ways to uh, get food and create all different types of things. But despite that, our health is getting poor. Right? When we look at the statistics, people, especially in the United States, We're getting sicker and sicker every single year, despite the fact that we're advancing as a nation as far as technology is concerned. Overall, I would say that um, if we had to grade our health in this country, it would be very poor. So despite all of these advances, our health is poor and things like diabetes is is on the rise and i was looking at the the latest stats on diabetes and they were actually saying that um i i want to say by 2025 i think they were saying that you know uh, like over 75 percent of the population would be uh, would have type two diabetes. That's that is very alarming. So you know, despite all of this technology, uh, these things are on the rise. Uh, heart disease is ever increasing. Our heart disease rates are growing, and as a, a health practitioner, I'm beginning to see heart disease at a very early age. There was a time where 
heart disease was a disease of, of the elderly, but now it's actually turning into a, a disease of any age. We're actually getting people uh, in their early 30s now that are suffering from heart disease and they ha- they're getting stents put in. We hear about all of these celebrities dying at very early ages due to some type of heart failure. And let's not talk about that C word and how cancer rates are rising across the country. You know, every time uh, you, you hear, you get bad news, you're hearing about someone that has cancer. And they're saying that one out of three people will have some, some form of cancer in their lifetime. When you really think about that, it's scary. So with all of this technology, we seem to be going backwards when it comes to our food. Right now, currently, it's over 60% obesity in our country. So think about that. Over half of the population is overweight. And this is a growing problem overall in our country. And it doesn't seem to be getting any better. And, uh, If you have an extended abdomen, that automatically increases your rate of heart disease. It increases your rate of diabetes. It increases your weight of kidney issues and back issues just from carrying this excess weight. So we are headed downhill and we're headed downhill fast, which is uh, why, you know, we formed our company to be able to try to um, bring the balance back and really help people to get on the right track. So one of the issues that we really see when it comes to, to health is the science, the nutritional science seems to always change, or at least it appears to always change. People could look at the data differently, but the science is always changing. So because of that, You're always being told one way and then you're being told something else. So it's just very confusing to people. And it doesn't help that our uh, health education is extremely poor. People aren't really learning about their bodies. They're not learning about nutrition and how to properly take care of themselves. I, I say this all the time. Like Learning about your health and your body should be a theme that starts Uh, When you first enter school and it should go all the way through uh, to a collegiate level, everyone should understand their bodies. Everyone should be masters of their own body. But the average person has no idea what to do. They know that they're not feeling right. There's a lot of fad diets. Excuse me. There are a lot of fad diets uh, that are out there. And uh, the reason why these uh, diets are so popular is because nothing is working, right? We're trying all of these different diets. Uh, we're, we're being put on all of these different protocols and, and nothing is working. It works temporarily, but it doesn't really work fully. And despite all of these breakthroughs, all of these different diets, all of these different uh, supplements and things like that, people's health still continues to get worse and people still continue to struggle with their health overall. It doesn't matter what diet it is. Uh, They all um, have their fads where they come in, they go out 
and and they come back. So one of the things that we want to try to help you to do is cut through all of that, right? We want to give you the tools today so that no matter what the fad is, no matter what's going on, you have a strong understanding of nutrition and you have a a strong understanding of what it is that you need to do in order to empower yourself and be as healthy as possible. So I'm looking over the years, I'm looking at uh, all of these different uh, fads. I'm looking at all of these different uh, craves as far as far as like our health is concerned. And um, it, it's also, if you look at the medical industry, they get caught up in it as well when they're looking at different things. So you notice things trend with the, the medical uh, industry as well. So what I want to do is help you to navigate around that. So I started looking at uh, the nutritional sciences and I started looking at history. One of the things that uh, we're really into at Life Strength and Health now is uh, ancestral wisdom, ancestral nutrition and the diets of, of our ancestors. When you go back and you look historically at the foods that we were eating before we started getting into processed uh, foods and we were eating more whole foods and we look at the level of health, it was actually better. Uh, Science and media will have you to believe that our health is actually better now and that we're living longer now, but it's simply not true. Our, Our elders they lived to be very old, right ages, and they were very healthy. Throughout history, we've had uh, civilizations that were very, very healthy. So I began to look at uh, our ancestors. I began to look at people that were here eating before us, people that weren't having any uh, health challenges or no way, no way near to the degree that we have health challenges now. And what I'm finding is that their ancient wisdom, the things that, that they were doing, it aligns with uh, things that we're discovering now. So, you know, for example, we're learning about berries, you know, the, the, the antioxidant properties of berries and blueberries and things like that and all of these things in them. So everyone is, you know, eating more berries and things like that now. But our ancestors, they were already eating these things. They were already eating these foods. They already had this wisdom to put the right things in their bodies. They were connected with nature and they ate in a certain way so that their health was optimal. So I think that it's important in order to move forward, that we have to look back. We have to uh, we have to look back, and we have to understand how we ate then, so that we can understand how we need to be eating now. And I think that if you understand the the core of nutrition and health and whole foods, it doesn't matter what anyone is doing. <clears throat> Excuse me. It doesn't matter what the trends are. All you have to do is focus on whole foods. And by doing that, you're going to have optimum health. Like that's just the bottom line. You're going to have optimum health. 
So let's get into whole foods and ancestral wisdom. One of the things that um, when we look at how food was traditionally prepared, everything was made from scratch. There was a lot of time spent preparing food. And I know we're busy now, so we want things quickly. There was a time where both uh, adults in the household, they didn't necessarily have to work. You were able to earn enough money from just the, the man going out and uh, the woman was able to stay home and take care of, of the house, take care of the kids, make sure that the nutrition of the family was, was taken care of. But uh, as we get inflation and everyone has to work now, you don't really have the time. But there used to be a lot of time put into uh, preparing foods. And also, when we look at our ancestors, they ate with the seasons so there was never a splurging of all of these these different foods that we have access to now. So that never was um, an, an issue. And even when we, we go back before refrigeration, which wasn't that long ago before we had this modern level of uh, refrigeration, we weren't able to necessarily uh, bring f- all of this food from China, uh, bring all of this food from Costa Rica, and in all of these other exotic places in the world, we weren't able to bring food from these places. So we had to eat with what, with what we had. So we didn't have access to all of these things year round. We didn't have access to uh, like an abundance of white sugar, for an example. So even if we wanted to eat that much, we couldn't. So it was a different time. So we have to look back to how we began to, to fail uh, as far as nutrition is concerned, and how that began to affect us negatively. So we're going to break this up into sections. And uh, the first section that we're going to get into is uh, vegetation. And uh, within vegetation is so many different types of vegetation. So we're going to take this segment and we're going to get into it from there. So first, let's talk about fruits, right? Fruits. I love fruits. Fruits are amazing foods. And uh, most people don't eat enough fruits, to be honest. But it's, it's really important to understand the, the dynamics of fruit overall. We have, uh, with our modern technology that we talk about, we have something called hybrid foods. And what that means is that you take, uh, you cross-pollinate two fruits to create kind of a hybrid of the original fruit. So we get the our agriculture, they begin to um, hybridize these different fruits. And that's not the same thing as GMO genetically modified foods uh, because they're actually manipulating the genes but with this, they're um, crossbreeding uh, fruits. And what they did was they crossbred a lot of the fruits that we know uh, now to make them a lot sweeter. So a lot of the original fruits were no way near as sweet 
as they are now. So we're not really eating something that's naturally in our landscape. I'm not saying don't eat them. I'm not saying that they're necessarily bad. It's just that you need to understand that they're not really natural when you eat something that um, you can't find in, in nature in, in its original form, that's not natural. So if we look at this ancient watermelon, for example, this is how an original watermelon used to look. As you can see, it's very seedy. It's, it has a lot of uh, pulp, very little of the, the flesh, you really have to kind of take your time, dig through, get through the seeds and you, and, and you get some sweetness to it, but you don't get very much of that. And, and through hybridation, uh, we now get a, a, a bigger, more rich watermelon that has far more sugar than it used to. So it's going to have an impact on your digestive system is going to have an impact on your pancreas and your insulin levels far greater than the original form of it. But you see it has seeds in it. So these seeds are still going to slow you down a bit when you eat this. So as we continue with our technology, now we're producing watermelon that has no seeds in it. So now there's nothing to slow you down at all. You have this highly concentrated sugary food and even though it's natural it's still loaded with a lot of sugar that will stress your system out if you have too much of it and this is just an example of what we've done with our food system with so many very sweet fruit that we have now that um, weren't as sweet as they they once were so now we're even though we're not necessarily dealing with um factory sugar and, and chemical created sugar, you're still dealing with a lot of sugar. So you have to be mindful uh, when you're having all of these uh, sweet fruits. Uh, the food pyramid will tell you to have four or five fruits a day. But when you couple that with a little bit of uh, processed sugar and breads and things like that, very sugary diet. So, like, I understand when we look at the statistics and it says that over 75 percent of the population will be diabetic by um, 2025. <clears throat> I like berries. Berries are indigenous. You're not going to really find uh, super hybridized uh, berries. These berries and all berries grow naturally uh, in nature, and it's something that um, your body can metabolize properly. Not too sweet, doesn't stress your system out too much. So there are things that are out there that you can eat more of, but at the same time, you just need to be mindful when it comes to uh, your fruits in general. I say this about fruit. We have access to fruit year round. So like when our ancestors and uh, before we um, had refrigeration systems, we ate fruit when it was in season. So if we were eating mangoes, for example, we're eating mangoes when it's in season, oranges and even melons when they're in season. So even though we were exposing ourselves to more sugar, we were only exposing ourselves to sugar for 
a certain amount of time and then we would take a break from the sugars as the seasons begin to change. So right now we're, we're coming off of a warm season. So the fruits are very abundant. So yeah, you should eat more fruit, but now that it's starting to get cool, we're coming more into apple season now, pear season now. So yeah, you eat more apples, you eat more pears, but once winter gets here, you should begin tapering off of your fruits and you should be having less fruit during the winter time. To be honest with you, technically really no fruit during the winter time because they don't grow here. If you live in a place in the world where fruit is growing at that particular time of year in the winter time, then yeah, eat them. But <clears throat> excuse me, we don't give our bodies a break. So in the winter time, you're not supposed to be eating fruits. You, you should be eating things that are more available in the winter. Now, I'm not saying you have to not have them completely. We can take a little advantage of technology and we can have them in our diets a little bit, but you shouldn't have as much fruit um, in the winter time as you do in the summer. And that brings us to non-sweet fruit. There are a lot of fruits out there that we don't necessarily classify as fruits, but things like cucumbers and, and lemons and uh, avocados and things like that. These are non-sweet fruit. And I highly recommend consuming the non-sweet fruit more often than you would the sweet fruit because they're not going to tax our system. But at the same time, they're going to give us a lot of nutrition. So you definitely want to eat more of the non-sweet fruit, especially um, during the colder times of the year. That's when you want to take advantage of the non-sweet fruit. Now I want to get into uh, the squashes. People don't eat enough squash. Believe it or not, squash is also a classification of, of a fruit as well. It grows on the vine. It produces uh, seeds. Uh, so technically squash are fruit, even though we put them in the the vegetable category, so many different squashes out there. Very low sugar, just the right amount of uh, carbohydrates was going to give you energy. So um, if you're not eating squash, I definitely recommend uh, starting to add squash to your rotation, uh, going to the grocery store and experimenting with a lot of different squashes, uh, one really popular squash that we're coming up on is uh, pumpkin. So we're getting into the pumpkin season. So I definitely recommend utilizing the pumpkin. We talk about eating with the season. So making uh, pumpkin uh, soups and stews and baked pumpkin and pumpkin pie and taking those seeds and roasting the seeds. Uh, you're going to get a lot of nutrition from that. And uh, now I want to talk about grains. And uh, there's a lot of controversy around grains. So I want to take a, a moment to, uh, to talk about grains for a minute. Uh, your body doesn't have the ability to digest grains in their natural form. There's a lot of nutrition inside of grains. Don't get me wrong. You can get nutrition from grains, 
But if you just ate a grain as is, you're not going to get anything from it. And also, it's going to disrupt your digestive system. It's going to um, block nutrients. Uh, grains have something in them called anti-nutrients. And what a grain will do is a grain will actually block your nutrition. It will stop you from absorbing nutrition properly. So you have to take great care when you're having grains um, so that you can unlock and get the proper nutrients out of them. Like when we look at ancestral foods and how our ancestors uh, consumed grains, they would um, quite often, and I'm not saying you have to do this because we can get these in these forms now, but they quite often would, you know, sift their grains, remove the hull, um, just get to the derm, the middle part uh, of, of the grain. They would soak their grains. They would ferment their grains when it came to uh, making breads and things like that. A lot of the breads were fermented. Uh, so they took great care in how they processed their grains. So uh, when we look at grains, you can get grains in many different forms. You can get grains in their seed form. So when we're talking about rice, we're talking about oats, uh, we're talking about um, amaranth and, and quinoa and corn and uh, all of these different types of grains. Those are the seed versions that if you plant them, they will grow into the larger versions that you see. There are a lot of uh, animals such as cows and horses and things like that, they have the digestive ability to break these grains down. Elephants, they have the ability to break these grains down, but our digestive system doesn't have the ability to break these grains down. So a lot of times we go for uh, the black rices, the wild rices, and, you know, the dip, the basmati brown rices and all of these different things. And we go for the wheats and the oats. Um, all of those things are healthy. However, if you're not preparing them properly, they will disrupt your digestive system. And a lot of people don't know that. People don't fur, um, sour their grains or ferment their, their grains and they're consuming grains as is and you're um, causing stress on your digestive system. So it's very important that you um, prepare your grains the right way. So uh, what we'll probably do at some point is we're going to do a, a training course just on grains and how to consume your grains properly. So what I recommend is that if you don't know how to prepare your grains properly, that you keep them to a minimum. For starters, you should be soaking your, your grains, all of your grains. It doesn't matter which grain it is. You should be soaking your grains so that you can start to pre-digest and break that down a little bit. Take out some of those uh, anti-nutrients so that you can absorb your, your nutrition properly. And this is uh, the different types of grains. And it just goes back to, uh, to your grains. Traditionally, uh, we soured our grains, which uh, made them completely bioavailable. And uh, these breads right here are artesian-made breads. Artesian breads are uh, fermented. So I know breads get a bad rap, and I think they should because of the way that, that uh, they're prepared. They're not prepared in a, a very healthy way, especially if you're just going to uh, the grocery store and you're just buying breads, even when you, you're buying a, a, um, a uh, whole grain bread, 
the brand, the, the grains haven't been um, properly prepared. So it's still going to stress your system out. And that's why breads get people in so much trouble, even when they have the, uh, the, the whole grain breads. So you want to make sure that uh, one, you're making your own breads. So if you're going to have bread to go through that process of making your own bread, it's going to slow you down. You're not going to have bread as often if you have to make it yourself. And on top of that, if you're doing it the right way, if you're fermenting your, your dough, uh, f- uh, making sure that you have the right flours, then you're going to actually add nutrition as opposed to taking nutrition away. So now I would like to get into the, the legumes and legumes technically fall under uh, a grain. They would be in the grain category and the legumes are like the grain seeds and certain fruit seeds, but that's exactly what legumes are. So you, excuse me, you can actually plant legumes. Like if you soak them, they'll sprout little tails. And you can actually grow legumes into plants. So they're technically seeds. That's what they are. So you have different classifications of legumes. You have uh, beans. So uh, these are all the various different types of beans. So many different types of beans. Again, being that uh, the legumes fall under a grain category, uh, legumes can be very stressful on your digestive system, especially if you have a weak digestion, you can actually disrupt and cause digestive system problems eating too much uh, beans. You know, beans are known for giving people gas, right? And it's not so much that it gives people gas. What it's doing is it's disrupting your digestive system and your body can't properly break it down. So it ferments inside of your gut, which gives you the gas. So traditionally, beans were soaked, uh, they were soured, and they were slow cooked for long periods of time to really break them down. So if you're buying canned beans, uh, the manufacturer is not going to sour them. The manufacturer is not going to uh, soak them. So you're just getting pretty much cooked beans. So you really want to take care in your um, in your bean consumption. And the next thing is lentils. Lentils are uh, a classification of uh, legumes, and they're smaller. They're easier to digest. So I normally recommend on your health journey going more for the uh, the lentils. Um, and if you're cooking them the right way, obviously the beans. Uh, but yeah, lentils is a really good uh, source of nutrition and fiber. Uh, but even with the lentils, lentils cook a lot faster. But you still should soak your lentils as well. You want to pre-digest uh, your, your lentils and take that phytic acid out by soaking them. So um, it doesn't matter if, if it's a, a lentil or a bean, you want to soak them. And uh, now they're offering sprouted lentils and sprouted beans. And what that means is they, they uh, fermented them already. Or no, not fermented, they germinated them already. So they pre-soak them for you. And some of them will even sprout little tails on them. Uh, so uh, the sprouted versions of these are definitely better if we just wanted to buy something and cook it. I would recommend going with sprouted beans and sprouted lentils unless you know how to properly prepare um, your legumes. And then the last 
classification would be all of the different types of peas. Those uh, peas are a little bit different, even though they're classified as legumes, they're more like um, kind of like the fruits, um, but they're put in the uh, the legume category. The beans, I mean, the peas don't uh, necessarily, unless it's a split pea, it doesn't necessarily require any type of uh, soaking. You just need to cook those down and uh, and you can eat those as is. Now we're going to get into uh, nuts and seeds, which um, can be very powerful, but can be very dangerous at the same time. So uh, we're going to talk about uh, this category. We're going to start with the nuts. Nuts are pretty much the um, the seeds of, of fruits and they're in shells. So that's how you, you know the difference between nuts and seeds. The nuts are in shells and the nuts are coming from uh, fruits. The thing about nuts, be very careful with, uh, with nuts. Again, we're talking about digestion uh, because when it comes to all of these different foods, it's important to, to eat them properly and to understand um, how to prepare them properly because they cause stress on, they can cause stress on your system. So when it comes to um, the nuts, it's the same principle as the, the grains and, and the legumes. You have to soak them first. Anytime you're dealing with um, any type of seed, any type of grain, they have a, a special defense mechanism in them uh, to keep them dormant. So any type of uh, nut, any type of seed, any type of uh, legume, any type of grain, it's it has this locked potential energy, but we know that it can grow. If you plant it, it will grow. But what stops it from growing? It has these enzyme inhibitors inside of them that actually stop them from growing so that it, as soon as the seed falls, it just doesn't grow. If you have a seed inside of a package, it just, it just doesn't grow. When you soak a, a seed or a nut, you deactivate the enzyme inhibitors, you unlock the nutrition, and then it begins to grow. But if you don't soak it, it will never grow. So what happens is when you consume these things and, in their raw state and you don't soak them, the enzyme inhibitors inside of these uh, nuts or these seeds or whatever, it actually inhibits your enzymes and it affects your digestive system. So you can't properly break these things down, which causes digestive system stress. So I know that uh, raw uh, nuts and seeds are touted as being healthier, but I'm here to tell you that that's not true. Uh, raw nuts and seeds, they stress your digestive system out. If you have a really strong digestive system, you can handle it, but most people can't. So I highly recommend soaking, sprouting. You can buy sprouted nuts now, soaking and, or, and sprouting your nuts yourself or buying sprouted nuts. If you buy them roasted or toasted, you um, you break them down and make them more digestible. So I recommend having them soaked, sprouted, uh, roasted, or toasted. But for the average person, I don't recommend having them raw. And when it comes to seeds, seeds are more digestible than, um, than the nuts. So um, you can kind of get away with raw seeds, but technically you really want to um, soak those as well. When you buy the milled 
different seeds like milk, chia seeds, milk, flax seeds, those are being grinded up and kind of pre-digested so you can handle those um, a lot better. But for the most part, when it comes to um, your, your, your nuts and seeds, in order to break those things down properly, you really need to uh, soak them. And, that, and that's going to be really important when it comes to, uh, to digestion. So we, I know we spoke a lot about uh, things that disrupt your, your digestive system. And uh, yeah, it is, it's a lot of foods out there that if you don't understand how to consume them properly, they will cause digestive system stress. And that is the reason why a lot of times uh, with, with um, the vegetarians and, and uh, vegans that they run into uh, trouble uh, long term is because they go into it without a full understanding of how to properly balance their foods out because if because if you're if you're consuming a lot of as as a vegan vegetarian if you're consuming a lot of grains if you're consuming a lot of uh, nuts and seeds if you're consuming a lot of uh, you know lentils and legumes and you're not uh, soaking fermenting sprouting uh, cook like slow cooking them and, and taking care in the preparation of them what happens is it actually blocks your nutrition so it stops you from um, consuming it stops you from assimilating all of that good nutrition so all of those you know nutrient-dense vegetables that you're eating all of those wonderful foods and the, the um the pretty tasteful foods that you're consuming those healing detoxifying foods a lot of times you block all of that nutrition so in the beginning you will uh, detoxify your body and you're feeling good because you're stripping down, you know, you're looking good, skin is good, you're dropping weight um, because that's what vegetables do. And with all of those um, grains, legumes, nuts, seeds, uh, all of that fiber, you're uh, cleansing out your, your intestines and you're pushing these things out and everything is going well, but you're not being fed. You're not being fed. So what happens is that over the course of time, you start to develop nutritional deficiencies, right? We get a lot of people that uh, start out doing really, really good, but then, uh, you know, you get a year, you get two years, you get three years in, and you, you keep going from there, and we start, we start seeing these um, mal being malnourished, right? We, that's what we begin to, to um, see. So that's the downside of um, vegan vegetarianism, but I think it's really important to talk about that because if you want to do it right, you have to understand nutritional science. Like that's really important. And, you know, there's, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of documentaries and things like that, that are springing up that are encouraging people to go plant-based, but they're not giving them any proper nutrition. I mean, any proper education on how to balance the nutrition now. And that is really important. We're actually going to do a whole um, segment, not today, but we're going to do a whole segment on uh, veganism, vegetarianism, and if that's the, the path that um, you choose to take on how to do it properly, because that's really important. You have to balance things out properly. You can't get, a, a get away for too long without balancing these things out. And uh, what I'm seeing is I'm seeing the trend that people just pretty much just drop 
um, just drop all of the, the animal foods and not really understanding how to balance things out. So when people are posting these different meals, I like I'll eat as delicious as they look, I'm seeing imbalance there. And I know that you can only keep that up for so long before it begins to um, have a negative impact on you, right? And you have to understand that there are certain um, nutrients that um, the plant uh, kingdom just don't have. So you have to make sure that you supplement and get these things into your diet. So uh, whatever you do, you want to make sure that it's whole foods and you're not getting caught up in the um, the fads of the, you know, the veggie meats and, you know, the, the different wheat meats and the, the, processed, the, the, the foods. processed foods, the seitan and things like that. Those things are popular now. Like uh, when me and my wife, when we first uh, went strict vegan, those things weren't available. Like l- lucky us, they weren't available. So <laughs> we didn't have veggie burgers and, you know, all of these different veggie butters and all of these different things. Like we just had to cook whole food. So we had to learn from the beginning how to, um, you know, balance our our diets out the right way so that so that we can thrive right but you know as we as we grew and we studied and we really looked at ancestral foods and we looked at the shortcomings of it we began to see that uh you know just from our professional opinion i don't i I think that it can be a good diet but i don't think that it's it's optimum you know i i I lean more toward a a vegetarian or pescatarian uh, diet where you have some animal foods in there because I I believe that if you can't get all of your your nutrition from the food, then that diet is is lacking, right? If you have to take supplementation in order to balance the diet out, then there's something lacking um, about it. But I feel like we threw the the baby out with the bathwater instead of going back to traditional foods and really understanding foods for what they are, we just threw it out and, and we didn't want to have anything to, to do with it. And, I, and, and I'm guilty of that too. I, I did that in the beginning, but understanding nutritional science on a deeper level and looking at it deeper, I see that, um, you know, that there was an error in that. If, if you're doing it for uh, animal rights purposes, then I definitely commend you and want to help you to do it as good as possible. That's why we want to um, just take a moment out to really talk about that because it's important that that you do it the, um, the correct way. So we will get into that soon as far as training on how to do that. So so now that um, will let us transition into, into the animal food. So we've got to take a moment out to talk about uh, animal foods right now. Uh, animal foods are the villain, right? Animal foods are, are the devil. Right. Everyone is, is, is running away from the, the animal foods. And we've been taught that or at least recently we've been taught that it's causing all of these problems. If you've seen what the health, they're actually blaming diabetes on um, who's now all up until this point. It was sugar. Right. Sugar was what was causing diabetes. That is what they're when they check your blood sugar levels. Right. They're checking sugar. But now. They're, they are blaming um, the animal foods uh, for the health problems. And again, I, you know, just kind of looking at the, the, um, the animal food industry, I could definitely understand why uh, 
animal foods have been villainized. And for a long time, we villainized them as well, just looking at them uh, for for what they what they were worth. Um, so let, let's let's look at the animal foods and let, let's look at the problems or at least some of the problems when it comes to uh, to animal foods and and why they're being villainized the way they are. So that is part of the training that we did on Whole Foods Nutrition. And we dived into so many various topics in that training. It was a little over an hour long. And some of the things that we also discussed in the training was the uh, proper or the best animal foods to eat. We dive into the dangers of vegetable oils. We discussed natural sweeteners. Uh, we discussed maple syrup and honey, um, the benefits of bone broth. We dive into our 80-20 rule and I will link a podcast episode that we did on the 80-20 rule in the show notes pages of this episode. We also t- discussed um, if you're how, you know, if you're struggling to lose weight on a plant-based diet, why that may be happening. And we also discussed some low glycemic fruits that you should consume. So for the rest of this training, this is available to our health warrior community, our private health community. So if you are a member, all you need to do is access the trainings in your member archives under the section masterminds and just go to healthware.co, log in, click masterminds and you will see the training in the archive. And there you can watch the video or you can download the audio and listen to it on the go. And if you are not currently a member of our private health community, just go to healthwarrior.co to learn more. And for the show notes pages of this episode, just go to lifestrengthandhealth.com forward slash eight four. Okay. And before we go, we just wanted to let you know that this podcast episode was sponsored by Life Strength and Health. Life Strength and Health is our wellness center located in New Jersey. And our focal point is optimizing your health by addressing any digestive system issues or toxicity within the body. So to learn more about our wellness center, the services that we offer and other content that we have on our website, just go to lifestrengthandhealth.com or you can just give us a call at 1-800-503-7127. Okay, so thank you once again for listening. Stay tuned for the next episode that will be released next week. And until next time, live healthier. We want to say thank you for listening to the show and for access to the show notes pages, more podcast episodes, blog content, as well as more information about our center, Life Strength and Health, then just visit us at lifestrengthandhealth.com. Until next time, live healthier.